Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. And on today's episode, I have a very exciting guest, a woman who perhaps needs no introduction in the beauty industry, but I will regardless. She is an esthetician, a brand founder. She is an incredible product curator. Um, I mean, I have had the pleasure of having a facial of hers and I can attest the woman is magic. Without further ado, Shawnee Darden, welcome. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I'm ready for it all. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I feel like a lot of people probably know some of your story, have a little understanding of who you are and, and your background, but I always love a reintroduction and I always love hearing people's stories. I would love to know how did you get into beauty and how did you become an esthetician? I've always really loved skincare from a really young age. I think it was all really honestly for my mom. She was very much into skincare. We had a Mary Kay lady that would come to our house all the time. I just from a very young age, probably around eight years old, is probably when I started to become obsessed and make masks. So, however, as I grew up, I didn't know that that was like my calling or what I was supposed to do. So I, how I ended up getting into it is I actually moved to LA from a very small town, Plattsburgh, New York. I moved here to model. And I quickly realized that that wasn't my journey because instead of getting any like modeling gigs, I was getting put in all these music videos so um, I have no dance ability, like I don't know what I'm doing. So it was just like, what am I doing here? So I was like, I've got to stop that. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I knew, I think at that point, I don't know why, but I knew I wanted to work in a spa. So I went to school first to be a massage therapist. And then I went to school to be an esthetician. And then once I went to school to be an esthetician, I was like, oh, that's that was what I was supposed to do. And then, okay, so you go to school to be an esthetician. How did you go from school to where you are now? Because, you know, you are famous for your facials, your product curation, your brand, et cetera, et cetera. So how did the empire start? So when I was in school, I knew that I would never, because, you know, in LA, it's so competitive. Hair is competitive, skin, all of the things are it's so competitive. I knew I wouldn't get a good job out of school. So I decided to be a receptionist at any spa that I could. So I first was at a hair salon that was also, there was an esthetician there. I started there. And then one of my friends was like, oh my God, there's like this huge spa that's opening up. It's going to be so crazy out here. Do you want to work front desk? So I moved there in hopes that someday I would be able to work as an esthetician. What ended up happening is the owner at the time really liked me and she decided to set up like an apprenticeship program. So I got to work with her and all the other estheticians there. Then after I got out of school, she was like, oh, I can't hire you like you're not you're still not there. Like you're not good enough. So I was fortunate enough that one of the girls one of the estheticians there helped me get a job working for a dermatologist. So I started working for a derm right out of school, which is like wild that any dermatologist would ever want that, but she did. And that's where I learned everything. So 
It's all because of that job for sure. I think I think the thing is that what definitely sets me aside is that I had that experience. And by the way, that I always say this to all estheticians. I'm like, anyone starting out, I'm like, work at a dermatologist's office. I don't even care if you don't get to do facials there. Just be a receptionist because listening to a derm talk about skin all day long, you learn so much. Completely. Now, how did you find yourself on the track to you know your celebrity clientele? Because I can't imagine that's easy in L.A. I think, well, one, I worked at that. I ended up going back to that place, the big spa, and it was it was all celebrities. Everyone was a celebrity there. So I ended up, I saw quite a few celebrities just randomly when the owner or somebody else didn't get them or it was my shift. But I think the first that the big thing for me was that I was seeing Jessica Alba and she mentioned me. I think the first thing was Allure magazine. So then that then, you know, other celebrities will come makeup artists, makeup artists and hair. I think they're like your best referrals ever. So they would send me someone like, oh, my client skin is freaking out. Please help this person. I'd see them. I'd fix them. And then then they'd send somebody else. So I think that's where it all kind of came from. Yeah, I feel like once you get that first mention, it just starts snowballing from there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have to be know what you're doing because they'll catch on. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. Makes such a big difference. I always say that I have this mentorship program now and a lot of the girls are like, should I get PR? Like, how do I make it the way you made it? I'm like, such a hard thing to tell people because it's like, I live in Los Angeles. It's much different here. You know, you have bigger opportunities with that. Yeah. And it's also just such a different time just with social media and just, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but just like the oversaturation of the beauty market. I feel like starting now would be such a different ball game. What is your beauty philosophy? It's always less is more. I don't, I don't like to use a lot of products. I don't like for people to use a lot of products. It's just about finding the right products, the ones that are, that are going to be the most effective. I, I think that would be my philosophy. We'll get into the meat of the conversation. Um, I obviously want to hear all of your skincare tips and your advice. To start off, the oversaturation in the beauty market. Just said it. It's very true. I feel like anybody who's in beauty kind of knows this to be true. And, you know, you not only, you make excellent products, right? But you also curate products in the site and you have such a keen eye for what you use and your facials. And I'm curious, like, how do you how do you go about finding a product that feels special and feels different than everything else that's out there? Because there is so much out there. I think people really struggle with finding stuff. So how do I find like what what I'm creating or as far as when I'm looking at other brands? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest, because what you're creating, obviously, is you have your hands in it so much more in depth. But then also when you're finding other brands, you have to be extremely knowledgeable about the ingredient deck. You have to be like very meticulous about what you're putting on the site, et cetera. Um, so basically it's like, you know, how how do you identify a product that wows you? It's hard. That's a, that's a hard one. I don't try every all lines. I don't know a lot of, you know, I don't know them all. I'm not that person at all. I'm not a big product junkie, but my clients will tell me. And when somebody says something's really amazing, I, I buy it and I try it to see if it makes a difference. That's kind of how I do that. I, I do a lot of events in Sephora now. So every time I go there, I always ask 
all of the the sales team, I'll say, what is the number one product now? And I buy it and I try it. So I kind of go with that. But as far as for myself, I am so fortunate that I have, you know, everything that I make, I test on my clients. So my clients are, are who is, you know, that's why, it's, by the way, it takes me forever to make a product because, you know, I had one of my clients that's been with me forever. I had, I had switched around and making this, this serum and I had messed with it a little bit. And she was like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And so I literally paused the whole thing. And I was like, I need to take a break. And so, you know, everyone gets mad at me, but I'm like, I just can't make something that I can't really be passionate about when I'm when I'm educating people about it. I just can't do it. It's not worth my time. When you go about to create something new, are you somebody who is looking for new innovative ingredients? Or are you somebody who's like sticking to the tried and trues? I'm always looking for new. And honestly, I, I would imagine most brands are, I would think. But yeah, always looking for new and it's got to be different. It's got to be different. And so and that's a, that's a really hard one to do with how many products there are out there now. I mean, one of the many reasons why I haven't made a sunscreen or a vitamin C serum because it's like exhausting, but you got to keep going with it. I mean, we uh, every product, honestly, has probably been three to five years in the making with me. Wow. Yeah, it's really, it's not great for business, I'll tell you that, but I just am not going to make anything that's, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know how people do it, but it's just, I think part of it is that it's because it's what I do. It's not like an influencer brand, whereas maybe you don't have to have that same thought process. But for me, it's a whole thing. You do have a retinol and a very famous retinol. And I want to talk to you about retinol usage. I feel like I get questions about retinol all of the time, whether it's people who are just starting it or maybe they've had trouble tolerating it in the past. So let's get the basics down. How should somebody start a brand new retinol? Well, that goes for any retinol is that you should start with one to two times a week and add a day each week and use it as often as your skin can tolerate it. The biggest problem that I see when someone's like, oh, I've used this retinol and my skin's freaking out. I usually say, how, well, how did you start it? And they're like, oh, I started using it every other night because I was already previously using another retinol. Nope, doesn't work that way. Always, it doesn't matter if you've used tretinoin, it doesn't matter any of it, you have to start. They're all different. There's different ingredients with it. It's it, There's different types of retinol. It's like start with once a week, add a day each week. Be patient. I love that. I don't think I even realized that, that anytime you start a new retinol product, period, I just always assumed like if you're using retinol, you're using retinol. No, they're all different. And remember the other ingredients along with the retinol is to, you just have to you have to do it slowly for sure. So if somebody has sensitive skin, do you have any like tweaks that you have them make to their retinol schedule or any ways that they can buffer any irritation? You can use a moisturizer before retinol and then after retinol as well. If you have super sensitive skin, for sure, that's a way to kind of buffer it. But even just starting with retinol once a week, you'll kind of be able to see how your how your skin is going to tolerate it. Sure. And do you recommend retinol for everybody? Because I know some be this that can be kind of controversial. Some people are like, no, everyone can use it. And other people are like, eh. you know, I do. All of my clients are on it. I If somebody isn't going to, I know the person isn't going to wear sunscreen. I don't even bother with them. I mean, for the most part, there's a retinol for everyone. I'm sure there's some people that just absolutely cannot tolerate one. But for the most part, yeah. 
Okay. I want to talk about treating more specific skin conditions or just more targeted concerns, right? So like, let's say somebody has acne or let's say somebody wants to be more aggressive with targeting fine lines or dark spots. I'm always curious about how people balance being really aggressive with targeting those concerns while maintaining the integrity of the skin. Because I think that's a really, really hard thing to do. And I feel like you're very good at it. So how do you go about making sure that the skin itself stays intact and it's healthy and the barrier is strong while also getting the results that you're looking for? I, it's really about the products you're using. So if you're using, I don't know, there's so many brands where it's about stripping down your skin. Um, I'm trying to think of the one that I actually really love that everyone uses for acting and it's, I'm spaced out. But it's really about not overdoing it. If you're using like a an acne serum, you need to be using a gentle cleanser and you need to make sure your moisturizer is also gentle and doesn't also have a retinol in it. So that's really what it is. You, you, you have to be very careful with the other products that you're using. Sure. Specifically for aging, how would you... Like, let's say somebody is in their 30s or 40s. They are coming to you. They're starting their new aging routine. What are the basics that you're getting them on right out the gate? Retinol. <laughs> retinol, sunscreen. Retinol, sunscreen, making sure they're exfoliating once a week. And then obviously making sure the other things are, you know, they're getting the right hydration, all of that. Sure. And then as for treatments, what are you, what are you doing in, in the office? I do all the same treatments for everyone. I just kind of switch it up a little bit. So it, whether they have acne or anti or acne or it's about anti-aging, I'm using LED. I use microcurrent, oxygen. Uh, I use ultrasound, cryotherapy. I kind of do it all. Yeah. And you do this all for everybody? Pretty much. I mean, some people need more attention in other areas. So if it's somebody's coming in and they have really bad acne, I'm focusing on the peel, extractions, and I might not get to everything else. Definitely need the LED at the end, but I might not have time for all of that. But for the most part, I'm kind of a, I'm doing it all. I remember with the facial that you gave me. So I have very sensitive skin. I have rosacea. I feel like you took off my makeup. You saw how red my face was. And you're like, okay, so we're going to be very nice to you. <laughs> and we're going to give you extra long time with the LED. So I assume that's kind of how the gist goes with your other clients too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just depends on, you know, it, it, it always, there's a lot of like moving parts and you decide which thing someone needs more of that facial for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of treatments, uh, obviously you just went through the laundry list of treatments that you do offer. LED, though, I, I'd love to start here with LED. You have been uh, an advocate for using LED for quite some time, kind of before it really hit the zeitgeist, I feel like. W what drew you to LED? Why did you like it? You know, what what did uh, what results did you see? You know, with LED, we've been using it forever. It's just the technology has gotten way better. So um, I've always like when I used to get facials, it was always part of the treatment. You know, when I wanted to get, I just, I guess I had seen the benefits on myself. And then when I finally got my first LED light for the studio, um, I was using it on people with acne and like 
the change that they had from using it was pretty amazing after even just one facial. And then I was hooked. And ultrasound. Yeah. So I use a cryotherapy ultrasound just to tighten, tone, lift. Everything really for me is how can we lift and tone and tighten? Yeah, that's like the main. I feel like that's probably what everybody wants, right? If I can give them that in a facial and they don't need to do anything else, they're very happy. And so am I. <laughs> okay, let's see. I, I want to talk a little bit about the shift that's happening of professional tools uh, being moved at home. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this is exciting. I think it opens up opportunities for people who may not have had opportunities to get these more professional treatments. But I, I can also imagine that, you know, there are people have to be weary about what they're actually purchasing, right? So how how do you go about differentiating between like, okay, this technology needs to stay in the office versus this technology has advanced to a degree that it's fine that somebody uses it at home? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's such a tricky one. I, I wouldn't play with any, you know, an inexpensive hair removal laser device I'm not doing. You know what I mean? There's, I think, I think you have to do your research. A lot of the better ones um, are definitely more expensive. And I think really it's about doing your research. I think there's like great microcurrents. Um, New Face is great. They've done all. I think they're probably one of the best ones. I think you just have to do your research. I have a sculpting wand that I put out. I don't know when I launched it, but it was something that I had been using in my facials for for like 18 years. So it was something I wanted to make. It's a really great device. It really does all the things. You also have to, you want to, when you Go into getting a device, you will also want to make sure they actually have the claims that are meeting what they're saying that it does. So really doing your research is the best way. The cheap device is probably not, especially with LED. LED is very tricky. Like the cheaper ones don't are are not necessarily strong enough, unfortunately, to really do much of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone once described it to me as like, you might as well buy Christmas lights at that point. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what it is. <laughs> um, okay, so at home peels, um, you have a, a famous peel. Again, I feel like this is tricky for people when like, how do they know what is appropriate to do at home? What should they save for like a professional to do? You know, how do you balance that? Um, you know, there's so many different peels on the market. I think it's about testing them, um, testing it out. Make sure you're even like spot treating an area before you deep dive into you. You go full into it. But yeah, I, I had wanted to make my peel for a very long time. It's really amazing. Someone actually said to me the other day, they were like, I'm just so scared to actually do it. I was like, I, I think I have to do educate people even more because it's the easiest thing you could ever do. And it's just so amazing. Um, but I like a lot of there's a lot of great ones. Dr. Dennis Gross has a peel that I use, been using that for years and years. Um, He's also a dermatologist, so there's that. But yeah, I, I yes, you need to be careful. It's it's hard to tell you which isn't going to work without necessarily trying it. But definitely, I wouldn't just throw it all over my face the first time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you spot treat, do you have any like tips on spot treating? Because I feel like I give this advice all the time, but I never actually explain what we should be doing. 
I just always like to do it around my jawline um, when I'm spot treating something. Um, so you won't really see it if you do have a reaction. But I think if you are someone that reacts to everything, definitely spot treat. Okay. So earlier you mentioned something about a mentorship program. I'm not sure if I knew this. What is this? Yeah, I started it during, was it Black Lives Matter that I started or was that where it came from? I don't really remember. I think during that time, I really wanted to, I, I knew I really wanted to help people. I think more than that, maybe people had reached out to me and I was like, let me, let me do this. So, um, I don't know how many people are in it right now, but the last one that I did, there were probably about six girls and basically, was it six girls? I don't want to say girls, they're women, but, um, I, you know, just help them. It's help them with whatever they want to ask me, whether it's they're all estheticians or some are estheticians and some are people just starting a, a skincare line. So just like helping them, like, this is what I did or, or I mean, honestly, like it's really whatever they want to ask me. I've had, um, a couple of the girls actually come to the studio, um, which I'll do this time too. I, I showed them how to do facial, at least my facial and like give them advice, all the things. So it's been really nice. Listen, I don't think that I know everything, but I know when you're in that situation, you're kind of like lost and like, what do I do? Yeah. What's, um, I, I want to hear a, a, some nuggets of advice that you give them. Do you have any advice that seems to resonate with them that you can share to us? It depends. If it's someone starting a, their line, just kind of making sure they're not like making, like some of the, one of the girls has this line that's so big that I'm like, we've got to like tone it down. We've got to get rid of a lot of those products, helping them with that. As far as the being an esthetician, that's really easy. I just help people like, you know, with their menu of services and what you don't need to do and you don't need to have all these add-ons and you should just be giving facials to people um, without them worrying about, oh, if I add this on, I'm going to get a better facial. They should just get a facial that's good or amazing. You know what I mean? So helping them kind of sort through all of that. Okay. That's really interesting that you said about, you know, the add-ons and just like keeping it to the basics. There's nothing more devastating than an add-on. The only time you should have an add-on is if you're like going to get radio frequency, which we do at the office. That's like a whole nother thing. But then yes, that, that's an add-on or it's a different facial, but there's nothing worse than going into a place, being vulnerable, laying naked on a bed and someone saying, well, if you'd like to do the glycolic um, peel today, which would be better for you, it's going to be another hundred dollars. And you're like shivering there, not knowing what to do. And like, do you have the extra hundred dollars? It's just like awful. You should just come in, know your price, and you're going to get everything that you need that day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that checks out. I feel like anytime I get asked about an add-on, I just immediately I'm like, I don't know. Because it's like what, what the facial that I'm getting today isn't as good as that. Like it's it's ridiculous. So you should just, they should just, it's, everyone should just have a price and that's what it is. Yeah. Well, especially somebody like you who does curate the facial so much to the person that it's like add-ons almost don't make sense with your approach at all because you just, every facial is just a bunch of like very specific things for one person. Yeah. And I like to do different peels. I don't want to think about the cost of the peel and any of that. Like you get, 
you get it all. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about lifestyle factors and how how you approach skin through lifestyle choices. And obviously, you know, you're an esthetician, you're not a nutritionist, so I'm not going to like ask about the ins and outs of that. But do you have anything that you, you know, any like dietary uh, advice or nutrition advice that you give people when it comes to skin specifically? I think eating clean is really important, you know, um, for sure. Eating too many carbs, sugar, all of that does, it does pay a toll on your skin. So really making sure you're careful about what you're eating. I mean, of course, there's, we all have to splurge, but I'm for the most part, eating clean, you'll definitely see a big difference. I would see that a lot at the dermatologist's office, um, having their diets completely change. And like we, they had been struggling, someone was struggling with acne for so long and just changing that, what a difference it made. Or removing dairy is a big one. I always tell people like, you don't even need to have dairy as far as I'm concerned, maybe a little bit, but removing dairy it's especially if you break out you will see a huge difference yeah that's that's those are the big ones okay what other lifestyle advice do you give folks um like whether it be sleep stress management anything like that i mean i'm not the best at it because i'm stressed out and don't sleep but yes you definitely want to get good sleep you definitely want to make sure that you're working out exercise i don't care even if it's 25 minutes a day you're walking whatever moving all of that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Okay. So with the rise of social media and beauty influencers and, you know, DIY skincare trends, what do you believe is the, you know, the responsibility of skincare professionals in terms of like education and guidance? Like, do you view that it's your responsibility to like put yourself out there and like re-educate people? How do you approach that? I do. You know what? For me, it's different because that's kind of what my brand is, is about educating people. And I'm an esthetician. I do. You know what? There's so many, so many brands out there now. And unfortunately, a lot of the products that are being sold are not what they say they are. And that's unfortunate. But I do think that that's you know, the brand's responsibility and their integrity. And I say this a lot with sunscreens because I think what we'll see soon is that there are so many new sunscreens that we're going to find that are out now that we're going to find are not the SPF that they say they are. And I think that that's going to come soon and it'll be a big explosion. And I think that's about the integrity of the brand. Because at the end of the day, you're aware of that. Maybe not in the beginning, but you are. And I think that's really important. Yeah, that's really interesting. Why do you say that? Like what what's percolating that that you have this sense? It's not percolating. I don't listen, I think sunscreen is the most important thing. I talk about it all the time, but I'm not like you know, I, I don't even have my own sunscreen out, but I just, I don't know. It's just something that I think that we will see. I think especially in the world of mineral sunscreens, you know, people are claiming that a lot of them have a very low percentage of zinc oxide, but they're saying that by putting in these boosters, it's making the sunscreen the level of SPF they're saying, but I don't think so. And the thing about that is, is what I also think is that people will test your products. There are people that will test your products. They will send your products to someplace just so they can sue you or whatever. To test a sunscreen, it is very expensive. And I think this goes for like, you know, because I always say, I don't want to say too much, but I just think that 
you know, with PR and everything, a lot of people are talking about certain things saying it's great, but it, it it's actually not what it is. And I, I do think as mineral sunscreens and all the laws are changing and all the craziness, I think that we will see that that's what's happening. I believe that. By the way, part of the reason why I'm not making a sunscreen right now, because it's like, it's a lot. No, that is fair. I'm I'm eager to see what happens with on the legal side and to see if we have any new ingredients that are allowed but from the FDA. You know, obviously we know that the FDA is pretty slow moving in terms of allowing any new SPF ingredients on the market. But I, I mean, obviously I would love that to happen. There's so many great ingredients out there that Europe uses. And- it's very sad. I gave a friend a sunscreen to try and she used it on vacation and she ended up getting really burned and came back and was like, there's obviously something wrong. And I was like, shit, I, I think there is with this, like after like deep diving into it. And it's, it's so interesting because how is that fair for consumers that are buying these products thinking that, but I think that that's what we will find soon. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it's also, it's, you know, that's sun is a carcinogen at the end. Like, I love sun. People should get sun, et cetera. But like too much unprotected sun exposure is a carcinogen. So if you're giving out products that don't do what they say they're supposed to do, I mean, that's a huge, huge issue. I have to be honest, as much as I've done a lot and I've talked to a lot of other people in the beauty world about it, it's like, it's kind of crazy about like, how is this happening? Like, I don't even understand. So it's it's very interesting. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, we can get off this topic. <laughs> Although I find it's very fascinating. Very, very interesting. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what excites you right now in the beauty space? You know, what um, what are you looking for in the future? I guess less brands. <laughs> Maybe like it's just too much right now. I I think it's getting better, but I would say it's just oversaturated. I think it becomes really difficult with so many different brands. But what else excites me? I mean, I don't know. I'm always just excited about any new things that come. Um, But I would say hopefully that it chills out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I'm I like asking this question to people because I I think the oversaturation of the beauty market is such a like fascinating topic. It's like, how do you think we got here? Is it just like the influencer? Pandemic, for sure. I think we were starting to have influencer brands before the pandemic. We just didn't have a lot. And then, you know, once the pandemic came, everyone cared about taking care of themselves and their hair and their skin and all of that. And so there was just more opportunity for people. And like, to be honest, as much as I sometimes will think it's ridiculous that certain people have brands, I'm also like, well, why not? What a dumb thing for you to do. No, like you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to make a lot of money if you do it right. Like, of course. So it's like, as much as it can be like, okay, I mean, people like that, you know, like I see at Sephora, all of the, all of the young kids coming in, you know, 13 year old girls rushing in there to buy whatever they see on TikTok. So there's room for it. Yeah. I mean, okay. You spend a lot of time in Sephora. So when you talk to people, like what's happening in the beauty side, guys, has anything like caught your attention as like particularly notable? Young kids are in there now. You know what I mean? They're running for drunk elephant. They love it so much. You know what I mean? There's a lot younger of a crowd of, you know, 
um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, Sephora is great because they all of those they're they're for the most part, or at least the stores I've been to, the people that work there are so into being there and they know the products. They know which is the number one, all of the things. So it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, I do feel that way. Every time I walk into a Sephora, it's like, oh, everyone is jazzed to be in the Sephora right now. <laughs> this is like the best part of everyone's day. <laughs> for sure. They love it. They, they're into it. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk about what you do. Obviously, we have to start with skincare. So what's your morning and night routine? My morning is I cleanse. Do you want products or do you want me to just tell you what I do? I would love products. I love product recommendations. So I cleanse with my cleansing serum. I use um, Is Clinical Pro Heal, which is a vitamin C serum, 15% that I love. And then I use I use Super Goop sunscreen, the play every day, SPF 50. And I use NARS, also their tinted SPF. I kind of double up. It's weird. And that's, and then, you know, like my mascara and barely blush maybe some days and then at night I cleanse with my cleansing serum um retinol sometimes I use my sake toning essence not every night I use retinol eye cream a hydrating serum and right now my hydration peptide cream sometimes I do my peel instead of my retinol sometimes I use Dr. Dennis Gross peel pads instead of my retinol. And sometimes I use my lactic acid serum instead of my retinol. I love your lactic acid serum. I like that just reminded me how much I love it. I love it too. The problem for me is that I am obsessed with using a retinol. So I always forget and I'm like, wait, I got to use my lactic tonight. I'm going to use it tonight. Yeah, no, it's like perfect for me. Like I said, I have sensitive skin and I just feel like it hits the spot. Okay. Well, obviously you have access to all the treatments in the world, but uh, wh what do you like to do the most on yourself? I do everything. I love a peel. Um, I switch them up, but I love a, a professional chemical peel. I love them. I do, the, I do one at least every other week. I like it all. I use my Desi mask. I do LED light. I love sculpting one. I'm doing all the time. I kind of do it all. I'm in the office. So like, I, you know, sometimes I'm just doing a lot of microcurrent. It just depends. I would say my sculpting one is what I do the most. Okay. Um, and then how do you take care of yourself as a whole? I ask this question and I kind of leave it up to people's own interpretation because everybody views wellness under different lights. It could be how you eat, your stress management practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what, are, what are your well-being must-haves? Wine, for sure. I work out almost every day, but not for very long. 25 mil minutes on the bike is all I do because I actually hate working out, but it makes me feel good if I do that. A lot of vitamins and that's kind of it. I'm, that's kind of my life as far as taking care of myself. I get massages every other week. I hate them, but they're the best thing for me. Wait, what do you mean you hate them, but you get them? So weird. I hate a massage so much. I like text the whole time. She hates me, but she's used to me at this point. But I have to. I literally can't. I've been doing this for so long that my back. So I have it's like I have to. Sure. Because you like forget that you're probably hunched over quite a bit throughout the day. Right. No choice. Yeah. 
Yeah, fascinating. Okay, so secretly, I don't really like massages either. I thought I was the only person. You know, there's moments of like, you know, when it hurts and all of that, I'm like, oh, this is good. But like, I'm not I'm not going to sleep. No, I don't find them relaxing. I think I'm too ticklish is my problem, which is like such a weird problem to have. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have that, but I have zero interest in I just don't really care about them, unfortunately. And my massage therapist is really good. All right. Well, uh, next time out in L.A., I'll have to get your. She's so good. Okay. Okay. I'll get her name for you. All right. Well, that's all I have. You answered all my questions and you gave me all the best advice. So thank you so much for joining. This was such a pleasure to have you on. You just tell me when you're back. Give me a heads up so I can see you. You come to LA a lot? You know, I haven't in a while. I feel like I was going a lot before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I'm not I'm not out on the West Coast as much as I used to. My boyfriend is English, so I feel like I spend like most of my like travel time like going back to his home rather than like going to the other coast. But I feel like I have to be out there soon enough. Come visit. Okay, well, it was good to see you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at Mind Buddy Green, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media. And of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.